This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hi, everybody. My name is Jessica, and you're listening to Monster Books Podcast, the podcast where we talk about kids' horror books that adult horror fans will love. Last episode, we talked about middle grade ghost stories, again, because I love ghost stories. And I teased a little bit about a YA book that deals with a ghost story that I wanted to talk about. And that day has arrived. I I, uh, got excited about talking about ghost stories. And I decided to go ahead and do this episode. For starters, I actually recorded a version of this episode on YA ghost stories before my middle grade ghost story episode, the most recent one. And the tech gods decided that it was not the time to release that episode. I don't know what happened. I'm hoping to recreate that episode. But if there were any moments of brilliance in that episode, any insightful nuggets of wisdom, they are lost like tears and rain. So hopefully I can recreate them, but we're rolling with it. So like I talked about last week, ghost stories are interesting in that you can tell so many different kinds of stories with them. There are friendly ghosts, there are malevolent ghosts, and we've got one of each in today's episode. I'm looking at two books today. I'm looking at Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas and The Dark Beneath the Ice by Amelinda Bayrubay. They're very different stories, very different books, but they're both incredible books. For some reason, when I review movies, I don't like to give star ratings, but when I review books, I do. I don't know why. It's just a weird thing that I do. But Cemetery Boys and The Dark Beneath the Eyes were both five-star reads for me. I love these books. Um, I think they're fantastic, but like I said, they're very different stories that still have a lot in common. I'm going to uh, give you a spoiler warning right now. I don't like to spoil books when I talk about them. I don't like to talk about plot points. I don't like to tell you what to think. I'll tell you what I think, but I I don't want to tell you what to think about a book. I want you to discover books on your own. The whole point of this podcast is so people will look these books up and read them and discover how amazing these kids' books are and realize that as adults, it's very cool to read middle grade fiction, YA fiction. So, you know, I want you to discover things for yourselves. But with that said, The Dark Beneath the Ice is not a book that I think I can discuss without spoiling it. So I will give you a warning before I get to that section of the podcast. You can go ahead and keep listening right now. But when we get to that point, if you've not read the book and you want to do so without being spoiled, I would recommend that you pause the podcast, you know, stop, go read the book and then come revisit the podcast to see what I have to say. So, but like I said, I will give you a very clear spoiler warning before I get into that. All right, we're just going to get right into it. Uh, The first book is Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. As always, I'm going to start with a synopsis. Yadriel has summoned a ghost and now he can't get rid of him. When his traditional Latinx family has problems accepting his true gender, Yadriel becomes determined to prove himself a real brujo. With the help of his cousin and best friend Maritza, he performs the ritual himself and then sets out to find the ghost of his murdered cousin and set it free. However, the ghost he summons is actually Julian Diaz, the school's resident bad boy, and Julian is not about to go quietly into death. 
He is determined to find out what happened and tie off some loose ends before he leaves. Left with no choice, Yadriel agrees to help Julian so that they can both get what they want. But the longer Yadriel spends with Julian, the less he wants to let him leave. Uh, Cemetery Boys was justifiably a really big release last year. There's so much going on in this book. I feel like I say that a lot, which which is a good thing. I, I've mentioned before that very few works of art are just one genre. You know, you'll have sci-fi body horror, or you'll have fantasy romance or whatever. You know, it's being just one genre is not a bad thing at all. But a lot of books have a lot of different things going on. And this is definitely one of them. This book has elements of horror, fantasy, romance. There's a murder mystery. There's just, there's so much going on in this book and it's so fun to read. And I, I think I read it in one sitting because it was really, really hard to put down. Um, the characters are really engaging and surprising. But yeah, there's just, there's so much going on with Yadriel. He lost his mom almost a year ago and the day of the dead is approaching and he'll get to see his mom again. But watching him deal with his grief over losing his mom is, it's really tough, especially since his mom was one of the only people who really accepts him for who he is. Uh, Yadriel is a trans boy. He is not accepted by his family. Um, they have some really strict ideas about gender roles. And that comes into play in a really interesting way because everybody in his family is a bruja or a brujo. Brujas have one type of magic that they are born with and they're allowed to do, and brujos have a different type of magic. And it's expected that Yadriel will have bruja magic because a lot of the members of his family see him as a girl even though he is not a girl, he is a trans boy. So this is not a coming of age story in the sense of, you know, Yadriel figuring out who he is as a trans teenager, because he, when we meet him, he already knows who he is. You know, it, he is living his life as the boy that he is. He's living his truth. He has come out to his family and everybody. So this is not Yadriel coming to terms with himself, but it is a story about his family learning to accept who he really is. And the way that manifests with his magic is really cool because this is not a spoiler because this was included in the synopsis, but Yadriel performs magic that only belongs to Brujos. And it affirms that Yadriel is a boy. He does have this magic as a birthright as the boy that he is. It's a really, like, there's so much in this book that is so affirming for trans and queer characters. And full disclosure, I am cisgender, so I'm not trying to speak for trans people here. But it, there's just something so satisfying and so fulfilling about watching Yadriel be affirmed in his gender and knowing deep down inside that this is right and kind of claiming the magic that rightfully belongs to him. It's a really cool thing to see. And Aidan Thomas is a trans, queer, Latinx author. So this is an own voices book. And I can't speak from experience as a trans person because I am not trans, but there's so much care and love and respect for Yadriel in this book that you can tell that Aidan Thomas kind of wants to shepherd Yadriel, kind of wants to protect Yadriel, and kind of create a world for other trans kids, I think, where they are affirmed and accepted and loved for who they are. Because, I, forgive me if I'm struggling for the words a tiny bit, but there's just so much love and respect for this character. 
For one thing, we never learn Yadriel's dead name because it is irrelevant. Uh, there's a point at which Yadriel's dad, I believe, calls him by his dead name accidentally. But Aiden Thomas doesn't put it in the book. And I, I love that. I, I am not denigrating trans authors who do choose to include dead names in books. I'm, I'm not criticizing them for that in the slightest. But I did love that Aiden Thomas said, you know what? That dead name is dead. There's no reason for it to be in the book. I just, I love that moment because we get to see the impact on Yadriel of his dad using the wrong name for him. But Thomas does not disrespect Yadriel or hurt him by using the dead name. So I just, that was a cool detail to me that I thought really showed how much Thomas really cares about this character and wants to protect trans kids even when they're fictional. Maybe especially when they're fictional. Because, you know, how we treat people is revealing whether those people are real or not, <laughs> if that makes sense. If you don't show respect for marginalized people in your writing, then perhaps you wouldn't respect them in real life. But obviously that's not the case here. There's a lot of love and respect for the trans and queer characters in this book. The magic that Yadriel performs, he tries to bring back his murdered cousin to find out who murdered him. There have been a string of unsolved deaths in their neighborhood and Yadriel wants to find out who did it. And also he just, he's mourning his cousin. He's all, He was already mourning the loss of his mother and now his cousin is murdered. And when he brings his cousin back, he doesn't bring his cousin back. He brings back Julian that Yadriel kind of sort of knows from school. And Yadriel is gay and he can't help but notice that Julian is really, really attractive. We watch... Uh, Yadriel and Julian go through this wild, odd couple romance throughout the book, and it's so sweet. It is so sweet to see, and I wouldn't classify this as, like I said, there's a lot, of, there are a lot of different genres in this book, and romance is definitely one of them. It's, I, I think there might be people out there for whom romance is a turnoff. I don't think romance is a dirty word. I know that it's a lot of people unfairly look down upon romance, but I, I don't think that's justified. There are a lot of amazing authors working in the romance genre. And, you know, there are a lot of amazing horror stories out there that have romance in them or that even are primarily romance. But anyway, I'm not going to get off on a defending romance tangent here. I'll just tell you that this, it's very sweet and it's very charming. And I was rooting for Yadriel and Julian the entire time. There are some moments that are just really heartbreaking on both sides. Because as we learn more about Julian, there are so many depths to this kid. And it's really fun to explore that character. I loved Yadriel, but getting to know Julian and finding out more about him and who he was before he died, that might have been my favorite part of the book. But like I said, there's so much more going on. There's a murder mystery that I feel like I should have figured out way sooner than I did. <laughs> But it's it's a really good it's a really good mystery and it's really interesting the way that Thomas weaves in the mythology of this culture into it. The descriptions of this specific kind of magic and of the Day of the Dead celebrations are so cool and the descriptions of this East LA neighborhood are so good. I love authors who can put you in a place with just a very brief description because Thomas doesn't spend a lot of time on setting the scene, but what they do use is really effective. Like I felt like I knew these people in this neighborhood. I felt like I was walking down the street with Yadriel. I could see and hear and smell everything in this neighborhood. I just, I love books that do that. I love books that immediately root you in a place and let you know how these characters live and what they see every day 
and what their daily life is like. I just, I really love that. That stood out to me with this book more than a lot of books that I've read recently. But yeah, and there are, especially with regard to the murder mystery and some of the ghosts that, there are a lot of ghosts in this book um, because the brujos can summon spirits. So we see a lot of spirits and they can go bad if they're on the earthly plane too long. So there's always a danger of these ghosts going kind of rabid, almost almost like a zombie ghost, I guess. It's, it's hard to explain, um, but it's very cool. It's very creepy. Anybody who likes, you know, scary ghosts or monsters even will enjoy that aspect of the book because it's a really cool idea. It's a really woven into the rest of the story well. Like I said, there's so much going on in this book, but all of it works really well. It's it, it blends together well, it's balanced well, and it's just so much fun. It's heartbreaking and it's hilarious and it's creepy and it's sweet. And I think especially for a trans and or a queer reader, there will be some parts that will, you know, warm the cockles of your heart, maybe, maybe make you feel seen, I hope. So Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. I really, really loved this book and it's very highly acclaimed and that is well-deserved. And I hope if you haven't read it, that you go check it out. Next up is The Dark Beneath the Ice by Amelinda Bay. I am going to read the synopsis of this and then we're just going to go right into spoiler territory. So if you have not read this book and you do not want to be spoiled, please stop listening now because I am going to get pretty heavily into spoiler territory with this book. The Dark Beneath the Ice by Amelinda Bayrubay. Something is wrong with Marianne. It's not just that her parents have split up or that life hasn't been the same since she quit dancing or even that her mother has checked herself into the hospital. She's losing time doing things she would never do, and objects around her seem to break whenever she comes close. Something is after her. But a first attempt at an exorcism calls down the full force of the thing's rage. It demands Marianne give back what she stole, and Marianne must uncover the truth that lies beneath it all before the nightmare can take what it thinks it's owed, leaving Marianne trapped in the darkness of the other side. Fair warning, there are spoilers ahead, so... Proceed with caution if you have not read the book. This is one of my favorite books that I've read in recent years, and it's a really unique take on the ghost story. Marianne is a very repressed girl. She has a very controlling dance mom who told her what to do, when to do it, how to do it. She is dealing with a lot of pressure. Teenage girls deal with a lot of pressure, and she's dealing with, you know, her parents are going through a divorce, her mom is overbearing, and she is dealing with a lot of misogyny because anytime she has an emotional response to anything, people think that she's having a temper tantrum. They think that she's being irrational and she has to deal with all of this sexism and hold everything in. You know, she can't have an emotional reaction to anything or people will think she's just an emotional woman. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. It's something that's really insidious because if you, as a woman, get upset about something, and somebody tries to tell you that you are being irrational. If you get angry over someone calling you irrational for no reason, that person takes it as proof that you are irrational. A woman showing any kind of emotion, or at least any kind of negative quote-unquote emotion, like anger or frustration or sadness or fear, a woman showing that kind of emotion is seen as crazy, to use an ableist word, is seen as 
moody, is seen as irrational, is seen as a woman who can't keep her head on her shoulders. A woman who, God forbid someone say this to you, is probably on her period. Even saying that, I'm getting myself angry because I I would be willing to bet that every single woman listening to this or every single person listening to this who presents as a woman or has been misgendered as a woman, I would be willing to bet that all of y'all have experienced this, have experienced usually a man, but sometimes another woman or a non-binary person, because misogyny is ingrained in in all of us from birth. Um, It's not something that women are immune from, which I think we all know very well. But a lot of times it's a man um, who tells you that any emotion is proof that you are not a logical thinking person. You are not someone who has ideas worth considering because you are being too emotional. So ironically, I'm trying to push down my anger thinking about it because the entire point of this book is Marianne pushes down her emotions. She pushes down her true self. She pushes down her feelings until all of that repressed emotion and energy and true identity, all of that repressed energy and emotion becomes a malevolent presence in Marianne's life. She begins haunting herself. She creates a shadow self. She pretends to be somebody else in her daily life. She pretends to be a calm, stoic girl who doesn't show any emotion. She pretends to be the perfect child for her mother. She pretends to be the perfect dancer before she quits dance. She pretends to be this person on the outside while the real Marianne rages on the inside. But she keeps pushing it down, pushing it down, visualizing herself buried underneath a sheet of ice. So she's got her real self, you know, locked away in a frozen lake. So she's got, she's basically created a ghost of herself. Marianne um, is attracted to girls and she is terrified of what that means. She's terrified of being ostracized by a heteronormative world. She is terrified of losing people that she loves who are homophobic. She is terrified of being her true self and admitting to her own nature, her own desires, her own self. So it's interesting contrasting The Dark Beneath the Ice with Cemetery Boys because Yadriel is very comfortable with who he is. Some of the people around him are not comfortable with it, but Yadriel is very comfortable with who he is. Marianne is not. She is not ready yet to accept that she is a queer girl. She is not ready yet to accept um, what that means and to deal with the possible fallout from living in our world as it is as a queer person. I think it becomes pretty obvious earlier, perhaps, than is intended what is going on with Marianne. Initially, there are suggestions that there's a demonic presence uh, that wants to possess her. And those scenes in the book are very frightening. I had to turn the lights on. I was reading this late at night and I had to turn the lights on when I was reading the demonic scenes. And that might just be me because specific types of demonic possession just freak me out more than anything else. So that might be a personal thing, but I think that those scenes will resonate with other people as well because they're so creepy. But then she tries to do an exorcism and then all hell breaks loose. (laughs) The exorcism does not work. And Marianne begins thinking, well, maybe it's a ghost. And she's right, but the ghost is her. She has created this shadow self and she's haunting herself. The real Marianne is the ghost, but the real Marianne is raging because she 
wants to be free. She wants to be out in the world living her life. The Marianne that pretends to be straight, the Marianne that pretends to be the quote-unquote good girl, the Marianne that pretends to think what her parents think and do what her parents want her to do and not have any opinions or emotions of her own, she's the one presenting to the world. She's the one that everybody sees, but that's not the real her. There's also a romance in this book and it's very different, but it's just as touching as the one in Cemetery Boys. But watching Marianne struggle to work through those emotions will hit home for a lot of people, I think. Watching her deal with trying to suppress her true self, suppress her true feelings, because she's terrified of what other people will think about her, that hits home hard. That is so relatable. That's relatable to anybody, honestly, but I think queer kids and queer adults reading this book will identify with Marianne quite a bit. They will know that struggle. It's really painful to read. It really is. Because you feel for Marianne so much, especially if you recognize yourself in her. But you're also scared for her because you're not sure how it's going to end up. You know, not everybody gets a happy ending when they deal with things like this. You know, I won't spoil it to the point where I tell you how it ends. But I will tell you that it's frightening to watch someone battle it out with themselves and decide if they are going to be their true self or keep hiding because that's the safe thing to do. And I am not criticizing anyone who hides. I am not criticizing anyone who keeps their true self hidden because they think it's safer. I send people who are closeted, people who feel like they can't be their true self around their family members or their friends or just the general public. I send them nothing but love. This is not me criticizing those people at all. So please, please don't misunderstand me. But it is frightening to watch Marianne struggle with these two versions of herself. And it's, it's really heartbreaking. It's a really touching book. It's, it's scary in a different way. You know, there, it's scary in the, the demonic scenes. Um, it's scary in some of the ghost scenes. But apart from the supernatural scares, it's also scary just watching this young girl have to live in a world that tries to tell her you can't be queer, you know. You can't be yourself. You can't have this emotion that the world deems unattractive in a woman. It's really scary watching her go through this because every woman I know, every female presenting person I know has gone through this. This is such a universal experience, even if you aren't queer. But if you are, it's, I, I really think this will hit home a lot because it's, that's a very painful experience and a very suffocating experience especially if you're still kind of stuck beneath the ice, like a lot of people are, like a lot of adults are. So th there's a lot to unpack with this book. Um, just like with Cemetery Boys, it's not just a horror story. I mean, there, there are elements of romance. There is a mystery. There is a lot of horror. And there is a lot in terms of being a queer coming-of-age novel. So I, I really recommend this book. I recommend this book to anyone. I never want to say this is only for queer readers. But I recommend this book to everyone, but especially anybody out there who is queer, I think would get a lot out of this book. I think they will see things in Marianne that they have gone through. But yeah, The, the Dark Beneath the Ice by Amelinda Bayer Bay. It's a really lovely book. It's a really scary book. And it's one that will resonate with a lot of people. So I highly recommend it. So that's my YA ghost story episode. Like I said, hopefully I salvaged most of my points from the lost tape, but I really hope that you check these books out. They both approach, you know, queer adolescence and loss 
and uncovering hidden truths in some really interesting ways. They're very different from each other, but they've still got a lot um, in common thematically, which is why I wanted to pair them. I thought they would be a good double billing for the episode. They're both beautiful books, and they both have a lot to say on some similar themes. Like I said, I in the future, I'll probably do even more YA ghost stories. The next few episodes won't be ghost stories because part of my goal with this podcast was to examine different subgenres and say, hey, if you like body horror, you will like this book. If you like slashers, you will like this book. And if I just keep talking about ghost stories as much as I would love to do that, I'm kind of straying from the goal of this podcast. So, you know, in future episodes, I'll deal with vampires and I'll deal with Edgar Allan Poe adaptations and things like that. And then I'll work my way back to different stories, you know, because I don't think I'll ever run out of books to talk about on this podcast. As long as I have people who want to listen, I will keep doing it. And with that said, if there are any subgenres or any books you want me to check out, if you want to hear me talk about werewolves, if you want to hear me talk about chupacabras, I don't know. Um... <laughs> I just say that because I really like chupacabras. But yeah, if you want to hear me talk about anything, let me know. I'm at MonsterBooksPod on Twitter. I love to hear from people. I love hearing what you're reading, what I should be reading. I, I'd love to hear, you know, if you liked these books or if you have a different take on these books from me, I'd love to hear about that. And, you know, as always, hit me up with recommendations. Hit me up with things you'd like to hear, things you like about the show, things you don't like about the show. I'd rather hear about the things you like. But if there's something I need to fix, honestly, you know, if there's something I need to fix, if I have made a mistake, if I have done something wrong, please let me know. Again, I'm at MonsterBooksPod on Twitter, so come check me out. Please subscribe to the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network, rate and review and listen to the other shows. And thank you so much for listening. My name is Jessica. You've been listening to Monster Books Podcast and keep it creepy, kids. Squad.